passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, welcome in to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Matt Pre Eric Scope with Jared Mack on this show. It's a Friday edition. That means we're diving into our game picks for number 12, Oregon, who's 4-1, 2-0 in Pac-12 play, going down to the desert in Tucson, taking on the Arizona Wildcats, who are 3-2, 1-1 in Pac-12 play. And 3-2, you look at it and you think it's not a normally a, a good record, but this is quite the turnaround for Arizona on this on this season uh, compared to last year uh, when they won just one game. Uh, Pac-12 network game kickoff set for 6 o'clock. Ted Robinson, Yogi Roth on the sh- on the on the call here not much from an injury standpoint that we need to get to um eric real quick catch us up on just justin flow that's the only notable one that's even worth mentioning right now yeah justin flow we we actually got to watch some 11 on 11 on wednesday which was exciting um but flow was taking part with the second team defense which is i think a good indication of his health for for saturday's game um oregon has lost two straight down in Tucson. No one on this team has really played there, though. Um, and so with with that, let's dive into some keys here real quick. We're going to do our, our our predictions here in a little bit. But just the keys to the game, um, Eric's got a whole story up on it for his. There's an opportunity for Jared and I to, to jump in as well and provide some thoughts. Um, I, I think for for me, for one of them, it's – how, how does this team start on both sides of the football? Um, we saw at Washington State a couple weeks ago where Oregon could move the football effectively. Um, but when they got down to the red zone, they just couldn't finish drives. And that opened the door for Washington State to put some pressure on Oregon, which ultimately led to the, the Ducks having to throw the ball a heck of a lot more than they probably 
wanted to going into the game plan. And this is kind of a similar opponent where if Oregon opens the door, they could be playing catch up for a really long time because I don't know how many times I don't expect Oregon to just throttle Arizona on defense. Um, Arizona will put up yards. Arizona will score points. And if you give them that door to go through where they could build a 10 point lead or a 13 point lead, Oregon's going to have to chase all game. And that's how upsets happen. That's how blowouts, you know, turn into close games. So for me, it's move the football, but then finish your drives. Don't, don't create some separation because you're kicking a field goal and they're, and they're scoring touchdowns. Uh, when you, when you, when you move the ball, finish your drives, end with points. Uh, you know, don't take the, some of the pressure off of Air, uh, Oregon's defense when they face Arizona's offense. No, I think that's a good one just because I think you look at this and go, Oregon's biggest advantage with the football is going to be the run game. And if you get behind, not that you can't run the football with, a, with you know, trailing, but you'd prefer to have a lead. And if it gets to a two-score game like it did in Pullman, you're going to eventually run into a situation where you do have to throw the football. And Bo Nix proved he could do it, but I don't think anybody would prefer that outcome where you're chasing the Wildcats late, in part because I think the Wildcats' offense is um, is, is better? a little bit better than Washington State's. Yeah, um, and, and for me, just a defensive thing I think that that's stands out is I think it's really important that, you know, we talk so much about the, the matchups on the outside with the corners. I think it's really important that Oregon's defensive line, its linebackers, um, the players that are applying pressure on Jaden Delora, not only get home, but just do a good job of, of minimizing his, his his scramble ability, I guess, if you will. I, think that's, I don't think it's a word, but we'll use it here. Just of like, he's dangerous when he can extend plays. And, you know, one of the things that stood out to me this week talking to players was, you know, we kind of asked, is this similar to Washington State? And the answer was a little bit, but really it's an offense that wants to throw a little bit more vertically, try to go over the top mm-hmm. of your head. And if you can't, um, you know, if, if Delora has time to hit some of those routes, it becomes problematic. So for me, it's 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 getting to Delora for sacks, but it's also, you know, forcing him to throw it away, forcing him to, to not be able to, to go through his progressions, to get downfield, to maybe get side out of the pocket and, and chuck it. So... Um, I think it's just really important that, that those guys up front have a really successful days because I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on the guys in the backside to go against up some really talented receivers um, if if he's just able to sit there for six to eight seconds and, and kind of pick where he's going. And, and, and he can probably will deliver some strikes that will cause a lot of problems. Yeah, if Delora is sitting back there for six to eight seconds, there's going to be a, a lot of problems in Oregon's secondary. I'm going on the defensive side of the ball as well, and I think perimeter tackling is going to be probably the biggest factor in this game. Arizona, I've, I've watched a, a decent bit of their their game film in the last couple of days. They're kind of a lull you to sleep offense at times where they'll kind of uh, dink and dunk down on the sidelines and the perimeter side where it's kind of like how Washington State did it and get like five to seven yards, and then boom. Just when you think that they're going to continue to do that, then they take their shot over your head, like Eric was mentioning, and – I think preventing Arizona from getting into third and shorts or second and shorts where they have this chance to take an opportunity down the field and sticking them in third and long scenarios, um, I think that's going to be a, a real measure on how to, how to beat this team, at least defensively. Um, perimeter attacking has been something we've talked about a lot on this podcast. It's something that we've all asked a lot of questions about two players, to Dan. I'm sure we would ask it to Taj Lupoi if he was available, but we can't. Um, this is a it's a major 
problem with this team. It comes and goes. It really it wasn't there on, against Stanford at points until the secondary and the reserves came in. But it was there against Washington State for most of the game. And this is another opportunity for a team like Arizona with their talent around the perimeter and their talent at running back and cornerback or quarterback, excuse me, to make this an issue with Oregon's defense. So I think if, if Oregon can tackle well in the perimeter from their linebackers, from their safeties and their corners, I think that's going to present a lot of challenges for Arizona's offense and make them more um, one-dimensional in how they try to attack the Ducks' secondary. I've got two questions here. One of them we already knew about. The first first one, though, both your guys' keys here are on the defensive side of the football. So mm-hmm. is there, like, very little concern here that Oregon's offense will, will put up good numbers? Is it from you guys? Is it more so of what is Oregon's defense going to be able to do? I, I just expect this to be kind of a track meet game, to be honest. Um, yeah. and, and we'll get to score predictions later. I think this is going to be quite high scoring. So I do think Oregon's offense will have a significant amount of success. Um, I think I think they'll be able to run the football, like and pick up big gains, big gains, big gains, and and move it you know effectively throughout. And and I also think they'll be able to throw the ball, especially if they succeed running it in terms of setting that up. So, yeah, my confidence is pretty high in the offense. I think the offense could have a really good day. I'm, I'm not convinced Arizona defensively has the answers. Yeah, no, I got no problem with what the offense is doing. I think Arizona's defense is, is pretty poor, and I think Oregon's biggest strength, as we talked about this entire week, is their rushing attack, and that's the biggest weakness by far in Arizona's defense. Arizona's defense statistically has good numbers against the pass. All you got to do is go into the game log and realize that basically every time they lost, teams just abandoned the pass. They just said, whatever, we're going to run the ball for 8 million yards today. <laughs> if we throw the ball for 30, that's going to be fine because we're going to be up by 15. Oregon's a little – it's more evenly split. It's like 60-40 running. But I, I kind of get the, the idea that they're just going to have something going on offense on, on both running and passing downs. Um, the 10 yards of carry against Stanford will certainly be in contention to be broken by Oregon's offense this time against Arizona. Um, I, I'm just – I maybe I'm a, too confident in what Oregon's offense can do, but I have very little worries about it that they'll be able to score points. Now, the second question, which was going to be the original question, um, what's what's the fear here for an Oregon upset loss? Because the Ducks are a massive favorite. I think it's 13, 13 and a half points as of this morning. Um, we've, we've seen Oregon play really good the last – you know, blow out their their opponent three of the last four games. Um, one of those was against a top 25 BYU team. They came back and won at Washington State. But it's been clear that when they're away from home, Georgia being week one, that still happened. And then two weeks ago at Washington State, there's a little bit of a difference when, when they're not playing at home, as there should be. We typically see that. But – yeah. Is there any fear factor that Oregon could lose this game? I know, I know Eric at the beginning of the season predicted Washington State would beat Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there was some fear there. But is, is that level of fear at this game? I don't know if there is for me. I, I would be pretty shocked. I, I'm not going to say they're going to cover the 13 points. That's a lot on the road. But just straight up getting the win. I. I feel pretty confident that they're going to win this game. And it just feels 
different for some reason, even though I feel like they're playing a, a much better offensive team in Arizona. Yeah, the range of outcomes to me is really varying. Cause like, I, I actually, we'll get to game predictions. Like them covering to me is definitely an outcome I can see happening. I, I, I could see a situation where they actually just have a really good, like a much better defensive game than we're expecting. Right. And the offense, again, I think is going to score points. So like there's an outcome where that happens, but there's also an outcome where, yeah, I could see them losing. Like there's an outcome where, where Dolores just picking them apart and the offense maybe does have a couple sputters. You know, it's been two consecutive weeks in the first half where, where they've kind of been up and down. I and mean, it's funny because, you think about that that first half against Stanford, and they score 31 points. You think, oh, that's an amazing half. It was a pretty slow start until the last four minutes of the second quarter where they get a touchdown. There's a turnover that gets them the ball at the four-yard line. They put that in. They have the drive that's extended at the end by a penalty, et cetera, et cetera, and they score right at the end of regulation. So, um, you know, I, I still have a ton of confidence the offense will do it, um, but I, I, the roadmap to Arizona winning would be Oregon making mistakes offensively, which I don't have a, I guess I'm not super concerned about, but like I could see that outcome taking place. So do I have any fear of it? Yeah, I have a little bit of fear that Oregon comes away with a with a narrow defeat in Tucson and, and that would kind of derail a lot of the momentum. I'm also very confident that that won't happen. I mean, I, I, I think Oregon is a much better football team top to bottom. And, and I think if, if, if Arizona had not given up so many yards on the ground previous to this, I'd probably have more of a concern. Like if Arizona was a, a lockdown run defense and, you know, a great pass offense, like I would be kind of like, well, that's going to be prob- problematic potentially. But I just think that mm-hmm. because of the, the advantage they have on the ground, I just think there's, there's going to be a lot of success there. And I don't think they'll have trouble scoring points. I, I'm, I'm expecting a high-scoring shootout with, with Oregon winning, but we'll get to the actual predictions later. I have I have real fear. I've talked about that. I've kind of subtly put this in the podcast this entire week. Um, this is, you know, obviously, we talked about how this is strength versus, strength versus weakness on both sides of the ball. And it's just going to depend on what weakness decides to step up and the, how, how their scheme better and how they can perform better. And you're taking the Arizona front seven against the Oregon, you know, back four in their secondary or back five, whatever they plan to plan to run that day. Um, and I think that's a legitimate matchup issue. Uh, you have the two best wide receivers in the conference in Cowing and and Singer for Arizona with Tetaroa McMillan as another guy who's a very capable wide receiver. Um, Arizona's running backs are, are used out of the backfield pretty high. Um, and you know, my, my concern is, has always been Oregon secondary with how they're able to cover and in man coverage and zone coverage because they, outside against Stanford or BYU, I guess, um, it hasn't been great. I mean, I'm not going to put Eastern Washington in there just because it's Eastern Washington. Um, and those guys are legit. All three of those guys are legit NFL players and, and f- in future years. And I'm not sure how many legit NFL players Oregon secondary has. And I think that could be, I think it could be a legitimate issue. And I've been, I've been, you know, steadily pushing that this, this week because I think it's a real, um, real lapse for, for potentially for Oregon's defense. And I think like Eric, you know, I'm, I'm confident that Oregon's going to win. Um, but I think it's going to be a really high scoring game. You know, I had to, I eventually I settled on a score. We'll get to it later, but I was all over the place. I didn't know what was going to happen because like Eric, I think that this could, this game could turn out in a, a multitude of ways, whether it's, a blowout one way, a blowout another way. Um, maybe the curse of Tucson just lives on through Dan Lanning and company. Um, 
I, I'm, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a fun one. I think ultimately, I think it's going to be an offensive shootout and it's, it's going to be, I don't know. I think the over is going to hit pretty easily and that's at 70 and a half. I think Jerry made a good point that someone eventually, you know, one of the weaknesses, you know, Oregon's pass defense or Arizona's run defense, like one of those two units will probably step up mm-hmm. uh, and maybe, maybe not the entire game, but make a play. And I think that goes to um, the next part of that is or, I, I would tend it to be Oregon because on paper they have the more talented group, you know, Oregon's DBs, they haven't put up good numbers this season yet consistently, but Coming at, you know, Christian Gonzalez is a first-round projected draft pick. You know, Bennett Williams was a high-profile transfer. Jamal Hill was a big-time recruit. Triquez Bridges was a good high school player. They've got the, the talent. So if they can just realize that talent, which I think is more likely than Arizona's, you know, defensive line who are not at the same level of profile of, of player playing up. That's harder to do. You know, I, I just think it's easier maybe for Oregon's defense to realize their actual potential skill set than it is for Arizona's guys to drastically raise their level of play. And so maybe that maybe that's the difference. It's just the skill talent. I don't know. Um, I'm with you, though. I think it's all going to be a shootout. Um, the over, like Jared said, will hit very early in this game, I think. Or not early, but in the second half, and you'll, you'll coast into that one. All right, let's take a quick break. and we come back, we'll uh, make our game predictions and finalize our score picks for this upcoming game. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. All right, welcome back to the Autzen Audible's podcast. Uh, team prediction time now. We'll go offensive team, offensive player, defensive team, defensive player, and then end up with a score pick. All right, team prediction for me for the offensive side of the football. Uh, I think this. I'm going the easy route here. Um, Oregon's going to run for over 250 yards um, in this game. I wanted to say 300, but that feels a little 
high. And I, I do think Arizona's offense is going to score enough times where they can't just run the football nearly every single play. They'll have to they'll have to stay a little balanced so that will eat into some of the yards as well. But I think the offensive production on the ground is going to be one of the better ones of the season. And put me down for I'll, – I'll raise it to 275 for Oregon's offense. Yeah, it, it was. I wanted to go over three hundred too. That just is a, a ton of yards. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I think you take for granted like how many, how many, how much that is. I don't know if they just did it against Stanford, and um, but three hundred yards is a, is a lot. So I also went away from that. I, I I'm sticking with my. This is a high scoring game prediction. Um, and I think Oregon's going to score five times on the ground. Um, I think part of my confidence there is when they've gotten it close to the goal line, and I don't have the exact figures in front of me, but they've run it from. With a, with a very high frequency, with a pretty high success rate, the last basically since Georgia, um, mm-hmm. and then in, in the second half, even against Washington State, they've they've been able to pound it in. Bo Nix has had a couple where he scrambled for it. Bo Nix has a couple of design keepers. Jordan James has been good when they go with that jumbo package, etc. John Dollar scored one. I, I think they I think when they get it close, and I'm expecting them to have sustained drives against this Arizona defense because again, I think it's going to be a a running game, not a pass over the top game not that they won't try to do that not that they maybe won't have some success with that um and i i think when they get it down there they're just going to pound it in so i'll go five rushing touchdowns i like it i'm sticking on the ground as well yeah it is a lot it is a lot but i I think that's going to be around where the score is um i have three ducks rushing for over 70 yards individually um this almost happened against stanford i think noah whittington was just a few yards shy he was at like 66 or 68 total but um, you know, obviously, Bo Nix has the 80 or a touchdown run, which in, in, in my, it, if that happened in this game, I'd have one check right there. But I think Bucky Irving, I know that's probably where Eric's prediction is going to go, so I'll hold off on it. Um, I think Bucky gets over 70. I think Noah gets over 70. I think Nix has – I think somebody else just gets over 70. Maybe it's Sean Dollars. Maybe it's a one, one Bo Nix run that goes for 75 or something like that. But um, again, I'm with you guys. I think that the rushing offense is going to be way too much for Arizona to handle. Um, Oregon's offensive line is one of the better ones in the country. Um, and so, yeah, three ducks over 70 yards each. I I know – I have a feeling I know what Eric's player prediction is going to be. So I went against picking Bucky in this one. Um, but Terrence Ferguson scored – four touchdowns in the first two home games of the season and red zone inefficiencies weren't really a thing during those two weeks. And then they popped up uh, two weeks ago at Washington state. And then they popped up again a little bit against Stanford. So I, I think some of the red zone inefficiencies go away because we see some success with the tight end play and Terrence Ferguson is going to score a touchdown after not seeing the end zone in the last two games. Last time Oregon won in Tucson, Michael James ran for like 300 yards on the ground, Ooh. by the way. This is just an interesting stat. He had he set the school record, which Kenyon Barner broke like shortly after against USC, I think a year later. Um, not predicting anything to do with that, but just kind of a head fake leading into this because I'm not going to pre- – Appreciate it. I'm not predicting uh, – Bucky Irvin goes from not never running for 100 to running for 289 <laughs> yards because that would be pretty pretty extreme. Um, I'll tell you, my my my, I, I was a uh, I, I was quite flustered in that press box on Saturday when Irving somehow didn't get 100. So, but you know, I'm sticking so with him. 
I'm sticking with this is the third time this year I pre- I, I looked back. I thought I predicted it more frequently, but this is the third time I predicted Bucky over 100. I'm going with it here. If it doesn't come to fruition, it's over. It's not happening again. You put my cut my words for it. If it does happen, you'll, I'll probably predict it frequently just because it's fu- it's fun to bet <laughs> fun to bet against not not actual money, but to have some stake in it in terms of the the emotion of watching a game. Um, this is just like Oregon's going to be able to run the football. I'm really confident in that, and, and I I do think because I think this game differentiates itself from Stanford, where again Irving had 90 yards with seven and a half minutes to go in the second quarter. And yeah. then he touched it twice in the very first drive of the second half and then didn't touch it again for the final 29 minutes. So, and that was in part because they were up by four scores. I don't think they're going to be up four scores early in the second half in this game. I, I think it's going to be a really competitive game. And so I think he'll be utilized more. I think they're going to, I think they're going to need to run the ball with him more than 10 times to win this football game. Um, it might not be 20 times. It probably won't be His season high is 14. It might be in that range or maybe even more, but, I think he's going to get over 100 yards here in this one, and if he doesn't, now he's not dead. Keep to me. If he's he's not dead <laughs> to me, but the, the the me picking this is dead to me. If he if he doesn't go for 100 and he sits in that like 90 something yard range again, you need to have like a one on one conversation with Kenny Dillingham and ask like, what did you do for him to hate you? Because that's the <laughs> that's the only logical explanation. He seems so nice. Kenny and I have a I know. He seems like a good good guy, yeah. We're we're chatting when he walks into practice almost every day. And I don't know what I did. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I think to digress, the worst part of that was on Bo Nix's 80-yard touchdown run, Bucky Irving was in the backfield. Yeah, he was there. No. Anyway. It was a pass play, though. True. On the score. True but yeah, he could have had he could have had future carries down the road if he didn't there, score on that one it, play. I felt like I was watching my fantasy football team, just like and and I was like rooting for just the, smallest, destroy, just the yeah. smallest sliver. It's like I just need like one carry for three yards, and I'm there. And it, it, I didn't get there. Okay, nope. This that's week. all right. Next this week, um, yeah, my individual offense. Uh, I'm gonna go with a passing one just because it. I don't know. I did just felt like I needed some diversity in my picks. Uh, Troy Franklin, over 80 reception yards and at least one touchdown. Uh, Troy, we talked to him at, after practice this week along with Nick's. Um, both were very complimentary of each other. Uh, Nick's really went out of his way to, to, to compliment how Franklin is as a player and as a person and how savvy he is and how smart he is on the field. Um, that connection, I think, just grows stronger by the day. Um, there was also a lot of talk about how Troy got has gotten better again going against Christian Gonzalez um, in practice every day too. Uh, I don't think Arizona's secondary is is that good. I think they have some guys back there, but um, again, this is a team that hasn't really been tested over the top. Um, the teams against them have just straight up run, which I think Oregon will eventually end up doing. But until then, Troy Franklin, I got a touchdown, and eighty plus yards. So let's let's see it happen. All right, defense. I like that one, um, Jared. I almost went like big pass too because we kind of saw last week against Stanford. Even though they could run the football at will, they threw they the take ball their chances. Yeah, and then that could be opening the door up for some big plays for the receivers and tight ends. Um, all right, defensive team prediction. Uh, I I think Oregon is going to contain the best they can the passing attack of Arizona but it's still going to put up some pretty darn impressive numbers. Uh, I'm going 350 or more passing yards by Arizona, and that's going to be one of the better ones this season. 
Um, Georgia threw for like 439 or something like that. Um, I think Washington State was 375 or somewhere around there. Um, I think Arizona is going to be up there for for maybe second most it, this season um, on Oregon's pass defense. Jaden Delora is going to have a big day. Um, Coing Singer McMillan, um, they're going to have big they're going to have big games, and it's just can Oregon kind of get that one important deflection on third and four or third and five or get that interception, which could prove the difference in in air quotes, stopping the Arizona offense. So 350 or more passing yards. Do you guys know who the last quarterback was uh, that Oregon beat in Tucson in 2011? And two. No. Nick Foles? Nick Foles. Yeah. Let's go. Well, I don't like Nick Foles that much. I, I was going to say, Nick Foles, <laughs> yeah, not, you're not a big, you're a Boston guy. You can't love Nick Foles. Uh, no. Nick, but Nick Foles, I was going to say, I'm just, I'm just throwing out random facts because I thought that game was really fascinating to look at in 2011. Um, but Nick, Nick Foles almost threw for 400 yards, 398. They lost, and it was a pretty decisive Oregon win. And I bring that point up to say just I, I, I could see this being a game where Arizona has all sorts of success offensively. Gets I, I'm going over 400 for Delora is my prediction here. Um, and, and, and I just think the, the, the Oregon pass defense is going to have some trouble. But I don't necessarily think that means it's a loss because, again, history will tell us if Oregon can run the ball on the ground, which I'm predicting a lot of. I'm not predicting Michael James 288, but I'm predicting plenty of ground success. That it, it, it won't ultimately be a loss or even – I mean, it was 56 to 31, I think, and Foles had like 400, 398 yards passing. So I, I, I think I think Dolores is going to have a big day. He has consecutive 400 yards passing um, the last two weeks against Colorado and against Cal. Um, Cal in a loss, by the way, as well. So I, I, I just think they're going to throw the football. That's what they do. They have a lot of talent on the outside, and it comes down to can they stop Oregon's rush attack, which I don't think they will be able to, but I still expect them to put up some pretty big, pretty big stats. That 56 to 31 score is still, still very strange to me every time I looked at it. I just didn't, couldn't believe that you could score 31 points and then get blown out by 25, but college football. Um, you guys both went negative with your with your defensive predictions here on your team defense. Um, mm-hmm. Surprisingly, I, I went somewhat positive, even though I've been known to be the negative guy on this show. Um, so I, I got Oregon's defense holding Arizona to under 120 yards rushing. I think this is like you guys in a different way. I think that Arizona is going to pass the ball a ton. I think that they're not going to go towards their running backs um, unless it's a pass out of the backfield. Oregon's defense against the run is second in the Pac-12. They limit opponents under 100 yards rushing per game. Um, I went a little, a little higher than that with 120. But yeah. I, again, I think that their their rush defense is, is really damn good. But uh, the pass defense, I think, will be closer to what you guys have predicted. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you said 120 as the benchmark. I feel like that's like not very bold. I wanted to go 100. Here, I'll change it to 100. I'll yeah, go pull 100. Arizona to, to yeah. under 100 yards. Yeah, 120 to me is like easy money because like n- almost nobody's done that all year. And Arizona's run offense has been pretty mediocre. I, I actually I do like their I do like Michael Wiley by the way. That's just a, I like their running backs, but their offensive line isn't isn't great. Yeah. Anyway, so I digress. Matt, let's continue. Individuals. <laughs> uh. Defensively individual for me, Bennett Williams, 
I think is going to have maybe one of his, statistically speaking, one of his best games of the season. He has 27 total tackles uh, on the year for Oregon, and 19 of those have come in the last three games. 15 of those have come in the last two games. And I think we're going to see a lot of that play out against Arizona. Um, He's going to get credited with a lot of cleanup tackles. He's going to be put in space. He said this week that, you know, much like Washington State, Arizona makes the DBs have to make plays in space. And I think he's Oregon's best at one-on-one tackles and getting the guy down. Um, he's going to have his opportunity. So I'm putting at eight the the total at eight and a half, and I'm going to go over eight and a half tackles for Bennett Williams this season or this week against Arizona, which potentially could could really put him in a spot to to lead the team in tackles. Yeah, I like that one in part because I do think there will be a lot of opportunities for Bennett and for the safeties and mm-hmm. for corners and for a lot of players on the outside. The middle linebackers. Well, maybe not as much there depending upon, I don't know. We'll see kind of what they do formationally. Um, yeah, I'm going Christian Gonzalez is going to be targeted quite a bit. Um, not because he's bad, but because Arizona thinks they've got the guys to beat him. Um, and I think he'll have some success here. Obviously, that's why I'm predicting something about him. But I just kind of look at this matchup and think, I, I wonder how much he's going to be just kind of following and tracking Jacob Cowley, like how much of a potential matchup that could be. And and if that is the matchup, I don't think Arizona's going to shy away from it because that is a huge part of their offense. And that Oregon's going to put mm-hmm. who is by far their best coverage player on him, I think. And I think he's going to be thrown at a fair amount. And I think there's going to be some wins and some losses there. But Ultimately, I have um, three or more passes defended by Gonzalez. And passes defended is a combination of pass breakups and interceptions. Um, I think he's going to have three or more of those. And, you know, he has five so far this season, which is second in the conference. And that's a pretty good stat considering how infrequently he's been targeted. Like a lot of teams haven't really gone his way. I think Arizona is not going to shy away from him just because I think he's going to be on cowing quite a bit. I think they're going to try to use his coverage ability to try to remove the biggest piece of, of that Arizona offense. And Arizona's not going to say, Oh shoot. Well, we just can't use him anymore. We have to use somebody else. Darn. Yeah. I think they're going to continue to try to find ways to, to match up. I think that's going to be like sneakily, probably not even sneakily. I think that's going to be the matchup of the game from like a one-on-one matchup is like how much is Gonzalez on cowing and what kind of success do both of those players have in those matchups? Oh yeah. hundred percent agree. I'm I'm very excited to watch that matchup just because I think that's you know a type of a type of wide receiver that Gonzalez has to prove that he's good against because mm-hmm. he's a smaller guy who's really quick and speedy compared to what the Stanford wide receivers were last week. Um, for my individual guy, I'm going with somebody who I don't think has been predicted for for one of these this year, and Brian Addison. I think that this is going to be a game for the secondaries. Um, I think Addison's pass coverage is one of the better on the, for the safeties just because of his length and his range and his speed and his athleticism. Um, he's been playing a good, good amount this year, either playing with Steve Stevens or stu- subbing in for Steve Stevens. Um, I just think that he's going to be really involved. I think in, in terms of Arizona looking for deep passes over the middle or down the sidelines, that's your best guy in terms of playing center field back there, in my opinion. Um, so I have him with six plus tackles, He's somebody who also comes down and, and tries to tackle hard in the box and an interception. So six-plus tackles and an interception for Brian Addison. By the way, he is PFF's highest-rated Oregon defensive player this year. 
Well, I, I was going to mention that, but that, you know, the, the, the PFF thing and the Oregon media has become such a, such a cluster. I mean, I'm not sure what, what, to tr what to believe, what to, what it's okay. to say. Jared, I'll, I'll ask Dan about it after the game. Please do. Yeah. Just, just not to digress that, that here. Brian Addison is that guy. Not, not to digress here, but did you see their PFF grades for Brandon Dorless? I mean, two sacks, three tackles for loss against Stanford, Pac-12 defensive lineman of the week. And he was like one of the worst graded guys out there. His tackling was like twenty three. Yeah. It was like twenty three, according to them. Yeah, yeah I don't think not. it was. I don't think it was uh, that bad. But I, 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 I feel I, like I for <laughs> for for defensive linemen, it's a little unfair because they're like trying to tackle a quarterback, which doesn't always work. It's quarterback just well, has to move a foot, and then they measure that as a missed tackle, and blah blah blah. The, the biggest missed tackle for Dorless was on the Wilson end around, where he was in the backfield and just yeah. tried to arm tackle him. And it's like you're asking like a 300 pound guy to break down and arm tackle right. a guy running a little, full speed who's like a little hard, very fast. So yeah, I, I don't know exactly how you score it, but no, I know the PFF stuff is really interesting to look at in general. Or we think Oregon secondary is bad, and the five highest-rated defensive players are all in the secondary, according to PFF. So probably because they get the most reps, because everybody's throwing at them. True. Yeah, but those reps could be really bad. I mean, you know, they could have really bad scores. If you know, I don't know. Anyway, it's just interesting. All right, game picks here. Uh, I'll go first. Jared said the over is seventy, and I think that hits very easily. Oregon's a thirteen-point favorite. Stat here: Oregon has not covered the last five games away from Watson Stadium. I think that goes to six, but I don't think it's going to be reflective of how close this game is. Very similar to Washington State a couple weeks ago, when somehow Oregon was in a position to cover that game, and then Washington State scored a touchdown with like two seconds to go. Um, I think Oregon will be in the lead for most of this game. They'll be in kind of control. I don't know if it's going to be blowout control. But they'll, they'll have this game in their hands, you know, almost the entire way. But a late score maybe makes this a little bit more interesting on paper. And Oregon's run game is their best defense. They keep the ball away from Jaden Delora, allowing the defense some rest, opportunity to make adjustments. And Oregon wins a shootout 45-34. to 34. Um, I've got Oregon winning by 11 Point spread is thirteen, so I'm I'm projecting a win, but not to cover. Am I going to be the only one to predict in the cover then? Yes, yes, you are. All right, well, I'm doing it. Uh, and I, and you know, it's funny. I don't feel awesome about it, but I I, I also just think no, 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 not at all. I, I mean, no, no, because it, it's it's a really interesting match. Like this is a really interesting just matchup. Like I said, I think there's a a host of varying like uh, outcomes here of like this could go a lot of different ways to me. This is yeah, this is a game I didn't really want to predict. To no, to I, make you feel better, Eric, I had Oregon covering during the show, and then I changed. It. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, well, but that's kind of the way it feels. Is like I I, I predicted in my Scopel Damas column, which comes out every Thursday. I predicted they were going to cover. Um, you know, that was my prediction there. And then I kind of felt bad about predicting that last night. I was talking to a couple of buddies just watching the Thursday night football game. And, I, and they were like, oh, you think they're going to uh, cover? What a, what a game. We, we could do 10 <laughs> minutes on what a terrible uh, game that was. And I had, I, I, had could a, do, I could do 20 minutes on Nate Hackett just being I, I had, just terrible. 
I had some a lot of betting props that didn't come to fruition in that game because I, I anyway we don't have oh, to do that. tough. <laughs> Uh, Mo Alley Cox just needed ten more yards, and, and I and I won a lot of money. But okay, anyway, we should stop talking about betting on sports. Um, but no, I, I I just think this game is is a is a funky one, and and like like I was saying, like I we were sitting there and they were talking about kind of like what my prediction was, and I gave it to them. They're like, oh wow, we're gonna cover. Like they they, they were both the guys I was hanging out with were kind of like, wow, I I think it's gonna be really close, and I was like, yeah, I kind of think it's gonna be really close too. Um, but I'll stick with it because it's already in print. Unlike Matt, who didn't have his in print, he was able to change it mid-podcast. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think it's going to be high scoring. I'll go 49-35. Um, I-, I-, I do think this game is just going to feature a-, a-, a ton of points. I-, I-, I think both teams have offenses that are hard to stop for different reasons. Um, I think Oregon's variance offensively is better in terms of, like, you know, we've seen them this year win games almost entirely because of running on the ground and, and, and the running backs in and, and this last game, you know, we saw Bo use his legs pretty effectively. And then we've seen them win games where they've had to throw it, um, you know, or, or a game where they've had to throw it against Washington state where the run game was there, but they got into a hole and, and Bo had to throw for over 400 yards and they won. So I just think Oregon is more capable of doing more, uh, uh, I guess a higher frequency or more of a, a variety of things offensively with success. So, I think it's going to be another really good offensive game for Oregon. And a part of me is also saying this because they're in this four-game win streak where they've averaged over 40 points per game. And yeah. I don't think this Arizona defense is the defense to stop that that, that run. Um, I don't think this is an Arizona defense that's going to is capable really of holding Oregon to like 30 points or, or fewer, 35 points or fewer. And I think Oregon's going to have some success scoring. So I'll go 49-35. I don't feel great about it. Um, I feel pretty confident in Oregon win, but the covering part, even as I'm saying it, I'm kind of like that might be that might be a little much. I mean, this game is going to go over 70 points. I'll get to my prediction in a second. I also don't think that they'll cover, but I first want to outline how very strange this this all-time series is between these two teams. It's either a complete blowout or one random close game in 10 years. Here are a couple of the scores the last couple of years. 41 to 19 Oregon, 34 to 6 Oregon, 44 15 Arizona, 48 28 Oregon, 51 13 Oregon. Here's the close game 31 24 Arizona in Eugene. And then 42 20, 42 16 uh, Arizona, 49 nothing, 56 to 31, 48 29 for Oregon. They're all blowouts. They're all like not even close. And the game that I looked at the most was that 51 to 36 game that Eric mentioned earlier in the podcast. And I thought that might be the perfect score for this game, but I couldn't do it. I, I just couldn't, I, I, there's, there's something about my, my heart that told me no. So I did 48, 38 Oregon. Um, I have them again, just an explosive game. I don't have them covering, but I do have them winning in the end. Um, I, again, I just, it's just going to be a lot of points. I, I think that, one of these teams could hit the 50s if Oregon doesn't run the ball nearly every down, which I think they should be doing. Um, but I still think even if they do do that, do do ha, um, they still get to 48 points. <laughs> Sorry, they still get to 48 points, and I think that they come close to getting to that 50 burger mark. It wouldn't, again, it wouldn't surprise me if Oregon won by 20, but it also wouldn't surprise me if Oregon lost by three on a last-second field goal. It's a very strange game, one that I didn't really want to predict because. I'm, I'm like 90% sure about how this is going to go, but that 10% is is still very much in my brain about what, what could potentially happen. 
I think when you when you say they cover, I, I, I look at this and think like, okay, a seven point game or like a six point game, that could lead to like a a 10 or a 13 point win and it'd be like, wow, they easily covered. But when the spread gets this high, that's a lot of points. Especially and I know under, I understand that Arizona wasn't very good last year, but they've they're still a power five team. They still have solid players yeah. at multiple spots on the field. Unlike, you know, the Eastern Washington just couldn't physically Colorado. compete. Yeah. Um, and so if this was 10 points, I would take Oregon to cover that. But you're asking a team to basically double, you know, 14 points or more, two touchdowns or more to cover that, you know, to get this covered. That's a lot. And I, I feel like if we viewed Oregon as a playoff caliber team, you know, that level of good, you know, 2019, even though they never really did because of the coaching, um, or 2014, Oregon, like those teams didn't have problems treating this Arizona team, who's probably going to be somewhere in that five to seven win range this year, you know, making them look like a team that's a two or a three win team. And that's what's required to, to get these big of, a, of covers. And I just don't think Oregon's there yet. They can, st- that, that, that doesn't mean Oregon's not good. I think Oregon's really good. I just don't think that they're at that point yet where they're so good at every position that they're going to make a, a bull eligible type team look like a two or a three win team. I think that's really reasonable, you know, and that's why this is, that's why this is hard to, to stick with the, 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 the cover prediction. Um, because I do think Arizona is much improved. I, I also think Oregon has, significantly better talent across the board yeah <clears throat> i mean if, if you just look at it from the ten, team talent composite like and we also know that doesn't necessarily mean anything yeah right i mean we've seen this year arizona or washington state i think has like nearly no blue chip guys and that game was as close as it could possibly be in the fourth quarter um you know and and, and i could be totally off on this prediction I, I i think that's the thing that makes this such a kind of a wacky one is and part of it, part of the reason that I feel like there's such a wide variance of outcomes is because of just Oregon in the state of Arizona has just not been good. Like mm-hmm. we, we we talked about the Arizona games. You put in the Arizona State games. Their Oregon's lost their last four times. They've headed to the desert. You know they lost in uh, 2019 to Arizona State. They lost I think in 2017 to Arizona State. Um, in 2015, when they did beat Arizona State, it was one of the craziest comebacks you'll probably remember that was the game Jared brought up when we talked about the Washington state game, that was Vernon Adams, Dwayne Stanford and the back of the end zone, I think to tie it and force overtime and, and all that stuff. Um, like the games in Arizona have just not gone very well. And that's part of the reason this is a hard one for me, because I, I do think like if this game was played at Odson, I'd have no problems predicting yes. a cover yeah. or, or, or a comfortable win, but, Yes. And, and I don't know if it really even matters because it's like this is a totally new team, totally new, both coaching staffs. Not, not Nobody's coaching in this game who coached the last time these teams played. Nobody's playing in this game really right. played the last time. So how much does that actually matters? But as somebody who's just like covered and watched these teams for a really long time, it's hard to get out of your mind. Like going to Tucson, going to Tempe, just those games have just not gone very well. So mm-hmm. um, 
I go back and forth, and that's why it's it's kind of hard for me to. I mean, it, it sort of feels it, it, a little similar to me being last week of picking Oregon to cover against Stanford, where it's like I know Oregon should be significantly better than this team based upon a lot of things, and yet Stanford just yeah. always finds a way to make it's, things it's really Stanford. weird. Yeah, right. So I kind of have a similar feeling here, but also feeling like Arizona is actually like a pretty respectable program, a pretty respectable team. I like I like what Jed's doing down there. So. Um, it's a weird one, but I, I I'll stick with the covering thing. But it, it I don't it doesn't necessarily sit super well with me. We've also failed to mention this is a sellout, or like yeah. two thousand three thousand people. Since, first time since twenty fifteen, I believe, for Arizona against UCLA. So that's going to be another. You know, it's it's going to be a little hostile. I mean, I'm seeing that I'm even more excited now to, to get down there later yeah. today. Um, you know to see that game play out tomorrow night. There's also, I don't know, it, it might happen, but there's a thunderstorm warning for tomorrow night in oh, Tucson. So that's another thing to consider. Um, I'll take the team that can run on the ground than pass uh, if it's up to me. But uh, I was stunned that Tucson has thunderstorms in the middle of October, but that's just me. I, didn't, I had no idea. That would be, please don't have that happen. Just for somebody covering that game in person for and then have you to guys fly. don't want to you guys don't want a lightning delay? Are you I, sure? I, I would just so <laughs> prefer not to have one if there is the choice of having one and not having one, especially when I'm flying out relatively early the next morning. That would be yeah. Sick. I would I would pay money to have like a live stream camera of, of James Creppy of the Oregonian if there was a lightning delay. <laughs> <laughs> he flies out at like seven from yeah. Phoenix or something too. Phoenix, not to give yeah. James yes. travel itinerary wear on a podcast, but like, <laughs> it's like, it's like he would be legitimately losing his mind. It's like if we're if, if the game gets over, if there's a lightning, I don't want to put it out there, but there's a lightning delay and the game gets over at like one thirty or two in the morning, and he's like, <laughs> we're interviewing coach. He's going to be, I, I can, it's I can sit now. It's going to be, it's going to be like, it's going to be a show. Okay. All right, that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Odds and Novels podcast. Next time you hear from us, we'll be breaking down what happened uh, at Tucson Saturday night between the Oregon Ducks and the Arizona Wildcats. It should be interesting. Hopefully it's fun. Uh, hopefully it's not boring. And like Thursday's game for the NFL, um, I have a feeling it's going to be a fun one. But until then, you've been listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.